everyone, and welcome to Seven Mile Chats, a podcast where each week I, Julia Struckley, talk with someone about a scripture verse of their choosing, and we look at that scripture from different angles. I'm a scripture teacher at a Catholic school, I've been a youth minister, I have a master's in theology, but the purpose of this podcast is just to have a conversation about scripture and try to apply it to today's world. And today I'm walking and talking with someone I met a couple of years ago through the Diocese of Richmond. She's the vocation director for the Benedictine Sisters of Virginia. She's been a teacher, a therapist, and she is someone who would literally walk seven miles with you because she loves to walk and hike. It's Sister Kathleen Pearson. Welcome, Sister. Hi, thank you. Hi, Julia. It's good to chat with you. I haven't seen we we do take walks every once in a while and we'll catch uh-huh. up, but it's been but it's been a minute, so it's good to chat with you and catch up. Yeah. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit more about yourself? All right. Well, I'm a Benedictine sister of Virginia and actually what we would consider a late vocation. It's interesting now that I'm the vocation director. Um, <laughs> but I, before that, I was married. I have three children and eight grandchildren. And with the COVID, I'm missing them terribly because I really don't get to spend much time with them. I've lived in Richmond for nine years doing counseling there and um, moved back to the monastery recently. So I'm missing you all. I know. Where are you originally from, sister? You're not, are you originally from Virginia? Oh, no, no. I'm originally from Long Island, New York, but the very, very tip of the North Fork of Long Island, which was all farmland and tourist stuff because it's all water. So it was just boats and potatoes when I was growing oh, wow. up. Lots, lots of fishing, you know. Think of New England. That's what it was more like. Yeah, that's okay, where I grew up. interesting. Awesome. Very small village. Very small village. Yep. Loved it. Wow. And then was it um, the vocation that brought you down to Virginia or were you working down here? No, it was work, actually. Okay. Yeah. Work through through the therapy. Yeah. Well, Mm -hmm. it's great to have you and catch up. And I can't wait to talk about the scripture passage with you. So what I'm going to have you do, um, if you have the passage in front of you, um, Mm -hmm. what translation are you going to be reading from today? Do you know? Um, I believe it's the American. um, New American. But I got off of the USCCB. So the New American. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So what I'm going to have you do is have you read the passage, and then I'm going to give you give a little bit of um, background to the passage. Okay. This is called the parable of the lost son. Then he said, a man had two sons, and the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. So the father divided the property between them. After a few days, the younger son collected all his belongings and set off to a distant country where he squandered his inheritance on a life of dissipation. When he had freely spent everything, a severe famine struck that country and he found himself in dire need. So he hired himself out of to one of the local citizens who sent him to his farm to tend the swine. And he longed to eat his fill of the pods on which the swine fed but nobody gave him any. Coming to his senses, he thought, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food to eat, but here I am dying from hunger. I shall get up and go to my father, and I shall say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired workers. So he got up and went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. 
he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But his father ordered his servants, Quickly bring the finest robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Take the fattened calf and slaughter it. Then let us celebrate with a feast, because this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Then the celebration began. Now the older son had been out in the field, and on his way back, as he neared the house, he heard the sound of music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what this might mean. The servant said, your brother has returned, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back, safe and sound. He became angry, and when he refused to enter the house, his father came out and pleaded with him. He said to his father in reply, look, all these years I served you, and not once did I disobey your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat to feast on with my friends. But when your son returns, who swallowed up your property with prostitutes, for him you slaughter the fattened calf. Father said to him, My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice, because your brother was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. Okay, so I can't wait to talk about this with you. I'm going to get a little bit of context and background. Um, A couple of weeks ago, I had another friend who talked about the parable of the Good Samaritan. And so I was able to give a little bit of context about Luke then. Um, But just to recap, so Luke is one of the synoptic gospels. He kind of adds on to Mark's gospel, which would have been one of the first, the first gospel written. Luke was a physician, so he focuses a lot on Christ's healings in his gospel. He also includes the infancy narratives. And this parable that you just read is known by a bunch of different titles. It's called the parable, the prodigal son, the lost son, the two brothers, the loving father, the forgiving father. And I definitely want to talk about all of those different titles and kind of like what each one means. But just to kind of wrap up, this parable comes in between a bunch of other parables that are all about redemption. So right before this, the Pharisees have kind of, um, we have the lost sheep and the Pharisees have been like challenging Jesus because he hangs out with sinners. He hangs out with tax collectors and they're, they're kind of insulting him and, and pushing him on that. And then he tells these parables about wouldn't just want, you know, the father, God would go after just this one sheep or would go after this lost son. So um, this is kind of in the middle of a, of a, a couple of chapters, I think, on these parables of redemption, these stories about mm-hmm. forgiveness. So that's where we're at with this in Luke. Um, and the question I always ask everybody first, sister, is why did you pick this passage? Well, I picked this passage because um, it means a lot to me. And, and it also seems to create lots of upset anxiety and anxiety in a lot of people, especially um, the, the Lord forgives this person who took half his, you know, half the father's money and just just dissipated it with his life. And uh, I think that's part of the issue that um, most people have with it. And that, um, that he was so busy rejoicing and being excited about having his son back that he wasn't angry, you know, at what mm-hmm. he did. And I think for me, that was, that, it means a lot. I have a lot of emotional feelings about this particular story. Um, and especially because I think I've, 
experienced a lot of other people's annoyance at this story. So I I thought about it more because of that, if that makes sense. (laughs) Totally. I think that this is a passage that, you know, it's so well known. I think a lot of people know the prodigal son and what that refers to. You see it in art. And so, yeah, let's talk about those emotions. You especially as like having worked as a therapist, I'm sure the Mm -hmm. family dynamic, those different parts, Mm -hmm. you know, I I always, when growing up kind of related to the son, that's the loyal son, like the one that kind of hangs back. I always sympathized with that son because I was the good the good, the good daughter that really didn't do anything wrong. And I like, it was like, how come that this one who did all these wrong things is being rewarded? So I don't know. What do you, what do you connect with, with this? Like what, how are you drawn to this originally or initially? Well, I think, I think it's funny because most people that when I've done this, even with sisters, when we were in formation together and we talk about it, some would get really angry and say, you know, he took half that inheritance and messed it up and the father gave him a, a party and they get angry, you know, they were, because most, all of us were the good kids, you know, right? right. Or, <laughs> the ones in convents are typically the good kids, yeah. typically, yeah. <laughs> At least we think we were the good kids. And I think that's That's my point because, um, and I've done a talk on this once before. And one of the things um, that I wrote was that this one, he he really was one who wanted what he wanted right now, right? The son who Mm -hmm. took half of the inheritance. And, um, and honestly, it sounds like he didn't really feel guilty or bad until things went bad for him. Totally. And it was yep. no longer a thing. And then he said, oh, maybe I could go back and say I'm sorry and everything will be better. Um, and he was definitely a victim of his passions and addictions, right? He didn't have a lot of self-control, nor did he even look at the consequences down the road for himself um, or for anyone else, like his father or his brother, and no concern for the future or other people, just living for himself. But I always had a little issue with the good son, because the good son who always did the right thing, he could temper his passions better than his brother, right? But he also seemed to temper his heart. That's, Hmm. I, I guess for me, that was part of it. He's not glad his brother's returned. He mm-hmm. resents the rejoicing that his father seems to be experiencing. He wants his brother humbled and punished, really, I think, right. more than rejoice, a rejoicing party. He, he, after all, he deserves it, right? He deserves to be humbled and punished. And he should get what he deserves. He should be sent away and not get back into the family so easily. But see, the father, to me, this is the one that I connect with is not Mm -hmm. either son necessarily, but the father who's so glad that his son is back. He doesn't care how it happened, why his son returned. He just wants his child back. And I'm sure that he's going to have a big, long conversation with his son later (laughs) on, you know, to talk Mm -hmm. about what the next steps are to be really back in the family. But right now he's a dad and he just can't help himself. His son is back. And the son he feared, the son he feared he would never, ever have back again, who was putting himself in all kinds of danger, who didn't really grasp the seriousness of his own behavior. But the thing is, and maybe because I'm a mom, I think this way, Mm -hmm. but you can't just stop loving your child because he breaks the rules. Love doesn't work that way. Love rejoices in wrapping its arms around the beloved. 
see, love can't stop loving. It just doesn't work that way. So I think for me, that's where I go. Um, mm-hmm. um, I think one brother is selfish and very indulgent. I think the other one maybe is a little prideful and maybe arrogant mm-hmm. in the way he compares. I'm good. I deserve. Mm-hmm. But really, none of us we deserve God's love the way we get it. Um, it's free. That's yeah. the thing. And I think that's where many people have a problem with God. <laughs> Because I think we think I think we've been trained too well to that we merit God in some way, you know, that if we do all these good things, we get our just reward. And God seems to to work a little differently. You know, it's like God says, I'm just so glad you're back here. Right. I, it drives the people crazy, I think. I, no, I think you're 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 hitting on so many things. You said so many good points. So I think. Yeah, I've always been someone who, you know, I want to work for justice, right? And I always want what's fair. And I think that you're right. You mentioned a lot of our society thinks that way in a way to like, you know, right and wrong and what's that earned merit. And that's not how our faith is. That's not. And and that's what Jesus is trying to teach the Pharisees and with these parables. And you're absolutely right that forgiveness is freely given. And we, we as a society, I don't think could grasp anything being given for free. You know, everybody has to, in this society, and this is my own personal opinion, like, you know, we have to work. We're such a capitalistic society. We want to work and earn the things that we have. And then we're entitled to those things because we worked and earned for it. And we have such a hard time just like giving things, you know, people for free, you know, just because out of love. And, and that also can be justice, right? I mean, I think... Yes. That can be justice to give everybody. Anyways, I'm getting into a whole nother thing, but <laughs> I think no, you're I... right that you identify with the father, which is interesting, I think, as a parent, because I never really have identified with the father. I always see that as the God figure, but um, anyways. Well, I do see him as God as well, but God is, this is how God is. He is mm-hmm. a parent who can't stop loving his children, right? Um, we are all his children, so he has to love all of us, even the ones mm-hmm. who waste half of their life on dissolution, whatever mm-hmm. they call it there. Um, and I guess, it, don't we all ask these questions sometimes? Like, how come the sinners get to enjoy as much as everybody else? Don't, mm-hmm. don't, don't we sometimes hate that theology that says you cannot earn God's love because you already mm-hmm. have it? Mm-hmm. So what do I do if I can't check off a list of things that show I'm worthy and you're not? <laughs> I know. I mean, I mean, that's really what we do. And I, I think I brought this up because I see it all over Facebook and everywhere else, mm-hmm. you know, where people uh, they go on sites, which I try to avoid mostly, but where people are judging other people so harshly. You know, this is where the jealousy, competition, and rivalry comes from. I deserve this, but you don't because you didn't mm-hmm. follow the rules the way you were supposed to. And maybe mm-hmm. even saying, how come, how can someone come into this country and take good things freely when I've worked so hard to get them? Don't mm-hmm. we see that? We see that today all over the place, um, not wanting to share with those who have nothing, not even on our borders, you know? Yeah. Um, there's another parable that's kind of that comes to mind, and I don't know if Luke includes this. I know th- I'm pretty sure it's in Matthew, but the um, 
the parable of the workers that like that the ones that are fields. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. So the ones start at the beginning of the day and they're paid at the the same amount that are those that come throughout the day and work at the end of the day. And it's kind of the same idea, right? The ones at the the beginning of the day are like, that's not fair. We worked all day and we're getting the same wage as the ones who came in later. But it's it's the same message, right? Like, and it's ultimately about heaven and redemption and forgiveness. Like mm-hmm. you can't earn it. Like it's just freely given and we're all deserving and, and worthy in our own way, no matter how we come about it and when we come about it. So anyways, that has what, when you said that, that's what made me think of is that other parable about the, the workers. Yeah. And what did Jesus say to them? And are you jealous because I'm generous? Mm. That's mm. Those, that was his you know response to that. So mm-hmm. that was pretty amazing when you think about it. I, so anyway, I guess I get sometimes wonder if we don't really like God because oh. God's God's justice, you know, I just wonder that, you know, so we create a God that's like us, maybe. Oh, Very, yeah. You know, God's justice is so filled with mercy and forgiveness mm-hmm. that sometimes it might not look fair uh, mm-hmm. if, if we're rule followers who check things off, you know. Yeah, I think you're right, sister. I think that we there's this phrase that like we make God in our image instead of mm-hmm. us being made in his image and his his image is love and fairness. And because we all want justice and all of that, I think that we try to make him and certainly the Old Testament gives us a fair amount of like, yeah. you know, justice oh, kind of God. But but the New Testament, Jesus is all about this, this, you know, equality and inclusivity. And uh, yeah, we, we're in this cancel culture right now where it's like, if you do one thing wrong, you're done. And that's not, that's not redemption. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and yet we don't think that we're like that. Uh-huh. That's what's, I think that's part of what I get concerned about. And partly why I picked this particular um, passage, because I think it's very much like today. Mm-hmm. I think we're all still struggling with trying to figure out what's the right thing um, and and not really understanding or being able to see that, that God loves us no matter what. How come mm-hmm. I not, not really understood? I'm already loved. And my sins and character flaws are, flaws are just covering and masking the Holy Spirit that dwells in me. You know, we are, you know, we have the Holy Spirit in us. And how come I can't see it in that person that I'm, you know, spending time with who's sometimes annoying and who seems to get what he or she doesn't deserve, you know? I mean, but that God dwells in that person too, you know? I, mm-hmm. It's part of the rule of Benedict, you know, that we have to see Jesus in every person that we meet and to be Jesus for that person as well, be Christ. But, but it's not easy, you know, because our egos keep getting Mm -hmm. in the way. So, and, and let's face it, we've all been the prodigal son too with God. (laughs) We've all had to crawl back, you know, and aren't we really glad when God's mercy and forgiveness works for us? You Absolutely. Know. And that, <laughs> and you mentioned something earlier that, that the older son, because I, I mentioned I identified with the older son. I think certainly as I've gotten older, like you said, I've also identified with how I am the prodigal son and, and need that forgiveness. But you mentioned that the older or the, I just say older because I'm the oldest child, but the, yeah. the loyal son, that he doesn't rejoice because his pride is so, and he's so in that like mm-hmm. need for 
like justice that um, he doesn't rejoice and doesn't allow himself to rejoice. I don't know if you could say a little bit more about that, because I think that's really what we're missing right now um, in our society, too. I don't know if you want Well, you know, when you said that, Mary and Martha just hit me in my, mm-hmm. some reason. Um, when, when Jesus says Mary chose the better part, I don't think it's all about the fact that she gets to kneel there and and Mary, Martha gets to do all the work. I think mm-hmm. in some ways it was more about she wasn't finding joy in what she was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we can't rejoice if we're still worried about whether the other person has more than us or gets more attention than we do or might take something that we feel that um, is ours. I think I think in our society it's hard to rejoice for another person because – it's, I don't know, there's a theory of this, of want as opposed to plenty, I think, um, that if they have some, that means I might get less. Right. And this fear that I won't have enough. I don't think it's a true theory, but I think it is a theory. I think mm-hmm. scripture says that when we give more, we get more. And so I, I don't think it's the way God functions, but it seems to be some part of the way the world does so yeah this story too they both have an inheritance right so if we're talking about that like you know equal distribution of goods they both got the same thing and then one did waste it (laughs) but then like you said the father gave him more and maybe that's i don't know there's still there was still enough you know there was still enough for the father to give and for the loyal son to still have all of his inheritance and probably be getting the same thing that the other son is still you know they he was there at the feast. He was there. He could have rejoiced and like celebrated and been a part of the celebration too. It was there for him too, you know? So I don't, like you said, I don't think just because the father is giving more that the other son didn't get to participate that or have just as much or have, you know, it was, there was enough for everybody. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. And he could have been glad that his brother was back. He could have mm-hmm. been glad that his brother was saved. He mm-hmm. could have rejoiced with his father and say, we have him back. He could have loved his brother you know, instead right. of just being angry. And maybe he did. I, I always think that we only get part of the story. No, mm-hmm. there's there's conversation. This is my thing. I think there's conversation with the father for these two boys sitting with him afterward and saying, all right, we need to talk about this. Because just having a party isn't everything, you know. I mean, you still have Mm -hmm. to deal with reality. And I guess I would say that's what's going to happen when we meet with God. So when we die and we're in heaven, see, I think once we get there, there'll be rejoicing. But I still think there's a conversation. Sure. Um, You know, like, you know, let's get straight. What what was good and what wasn't so good or I don't know how it worked. Like I tell my students, they're always like, what's purgatory? Like what's heaven? Like guys, I'm like, have not been there, but <laughs> yes, I agree with you. I think that, you know, we definitely in whatever manner will get to have those conversations with God. And I think those are good. I'm excited to have, I have lots of questions <laughs> myself. Me too. Me too. <laughs> I gave, I keep thinking that at least then I'll know. Right. Right. <laughs> because there's so much you, you know, hope and you want and you desire to know, but you know, it is a finite world, and There's only so we don't much know everything. Know. Yeah. And God, God is just too immense. I, I think I, I hate it when we try to make God small mm-hmm. and fit into some idea of ours, because I think God is so much larger than anything we can even imagine. Mm-hmm. So um, I can't. I get excited about that. But also my experience in life is that God always comes in love. I don't 
even when I'm, I can tell you times sitting here and saying, Lord, I, I really messed up. And I remember what I heard back, and I'm not hearing voices, but I, I know when God speaks to me. And what I heard was, yes, and now what we're going to do. So it wasn't like he sits there and it's not about, you know, yes, and this is what you did wrong. And, you know, it's not yeah. like that. It's, yeah. it's, he won't lie and say, oh, no, it's all right, Kathy, you didn't, you didn't mess up. If I messed up, he's going to say yes. But. But it's then we move forward. We, then we move to be better. We don't stay in that place. With, and I think that's what makes God so awesome. And, and that's what love is. And with children, too. And if they come to you and say, you know, I did this. You say, you did, and that was wrong. Now, what are we going to do about it? You know, we don't, you don't right. stay there. And you don't say, well, it's all right. You, you, because they don't learn from that. So I think the Lord is mm -hmm. always teaching and guiding. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, you're talking a lot about this idea of image and our image of God and how you would, yeah. you know, how you picture him and, and Jesus is our model, right? Like Jesus came as God in flesh so that we could model ourselves after him. And that, and that's what God is. And the purpose of these parables is Jesus is showing that our God is forgiving, that this was really shocking for the people back then for him to pick these stories of like messy people and then them being forgiven or like healing the sick who were considered to be spiritually unclean or, you know, something spiritually wrong with them. Like he, but he went to these people. So how can we sit and judge when our model is going out to these, these outskirts people, you know, like these people that were considered and it was shocking and it was hard. And that's kind of what I was, uh, we talked about the good Samaritan a couple weeks ago, same kind of deal, right? Like Mm -hmm. This that story was shocking to the people at the time. A Samaritan is the example of the neighbor who did something good. Like, yes. so I try to put that in our con our context for today. Like, you know, think about that person that you don't think is possibly the model of being good, and like Jesus still loves that person like equally as much as you. <laughs> so I don't know. I know. If you want to jump in or respond to that? Well, I think that is the hardest part for most people. That mm -hmm. you know. Um, for some people, I think it's believing that God could love them, and that's an, mm. that's another issue, and that's mm -hmm. a good counseling thing to go through, too. Mm -hmm. um, but I think for many of us, we think God loves some people more than he loves other people. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, it doesn't really work that way. I, God can't not love you. I mean, it's just not, God is love. I mean, that's what God is. And because of that, he can't not love um, mm -hmm. that's why I think I get upset on some of the sites out there that, um, preach, um, more about this poor person doesn't believe the way we do. So therefore God isn't going to right. love them or, right. or, um, and it just, it disturbs my heart, honestly, that, that, um, because how do you welcome people when you're doing that? You know, um, it, it just sounds yeah. mean sometimes. Yeah, and I know, and that's not <laughs> that's not what Jesus would do in my mind. One question, like, before we wrap up. So I talked about how this story is kind of known by different titles, the prodigal son. Mm -hmm. I always thought prodigal meant, like, like a prodigy, you know? <laughs> but that's oh, not what it means. It means, no. like, wasteful. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. And so that totally changed it to, for me when I learned that. But um, so it's known as the prodigal son, the lost son, the forgiving father, the two brothers. Which title do you prefer to to call this, and why? Oh, I'm definitely forgiving father. That's right. 
where I went. I used Lost Sun when I said it because that's what it was on the site. Right. But I would mm -hmm. never have chosen that, really. I, to me, when when it became Forgiving Father, the first time I saw it, rather than Prodigal Son, which is the way I learned it when I was younger. It's in greater detail, too, about all his um, bad activities. But um, that's, for me, it's about the Father. It's really about God and how he greets us whatever, with whatever we do. You know, God is the one standing there waiting for us to come back. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, th there are lots of art out there of showing the father standing in the lane, standing at the mm -hmm. wall, just waiting and waiting, which he probably did and every day until that son returned. And that's how I see our God, that God who sent his son to save us. You know, I'm, mm -hmm. that's God to me is like that loving father. He is the one who's standing there or waiting, however patiently for most of us at times, you know, waiting for us to learn. I know we don't have much time left, but I, I really believe that God is the one that warns us not to do things. And I think God, the Holy Spirit is with us when we mess up so that we can return. So God is present in every aspect of our journey even in the even in the mud you know which probably mm -hmm. i would say that son might have living with the pigs been in the right. mud. But, <laughs> Literally. but god himself would have been in there with him that's just the way i see that's the god that i have experienced i guess i love that image of god is with us even in the mud like i like i really like that image a lot I've used that in my counseling a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's a good image. I Just to kind of wrap up the title, yeah, I'm with you. I always thought of this as the prodigal son, and then I figured out what that really means. And then the lost son. And I think when we focus on the son, that's where we get all of these things that we've been talking about. If we're focusing on the sinner and all the sins, that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is the forgiving father and the generosity of the father. And so I, when we start calling it that story, that title, I think it... It flips everything. So, sister, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I love chatting with you, and I'm glad that we take walks and we can chat and yeah. and do this. Um, at the end of my episodes, I like to, if the person has anything they want to plug, like any events or any social media. And I know that you are currently figuring out social media for the vocations yeah, <laughs> um, yes, yes. office. Are there any, like, accounts you want us to follow or websites or things you want us to follow well, you know the benedict and sisters of virginia has a facebook page that sister mary does a lot of it and i would really recommend you look at that i'm starting i'm um, very soon what we're going to call the benedictine bites with b-y-t-e-s nice. and so i will be um emulating you a little bit but probably not as well you do a fabulous job but <laughs> um in interviewing different sisters so that you could get to know us better um and um, honestly, anyone you know is interested, who seems to be discerning any kind of religious life, don't forget us, too, because yeah. we're pretty welcoming here. The COVID pandemic has closed us down a little bit, um, but um, normally we're incredibly hospitable. That's what we love to do the most. So um, look, look us up. 
I think Sister Mary's on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and everything else. She's amazing. So, yeah, you've been on your Facebook making little videos yeah, and stuff too, I've been Sister. Doing I've that seen too. you. Yeah, look and look me up too. Yeah. The um the handle for for the Benedictine and Instagram is R V A Benedictine B E N E D I C T I N E right at right, yeah, right. on in Instagram yeah mm -hmm. so you can follow uh, sister and the Benedictines of uh, Virginia on Instagram and you can also follow me at seven mile chats or on Twitter at Miss Struckley M-S-S-T-R-U-K-E-L-Y-1 I'd love to talk scripture or anything and uh, thanks again sister for being here thank you thanks everyone for listening bye